everyone. Welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty fantastic. I'm getting more done on The Survivors, getting some bonus features and stuff together. Uh, pretty much done with the film. I'm just waiting on the uh, composer to give me the music. He, uh, His family has gotten into some medical issues, so I wish them the best. And He's just waiting to get some of that sorted out before he really kicks this out. But he's uh, he's got some music done already, and hopefully he just gets uh, it to me soon enough so that I can actually finish, export the whole thing, put it onto discs, you know, before it has to be ready to premiere at Horror Realm in March. Oh, sure thing, sure thing. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, that, that's, uh, I, mean, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to do stuff, but that is, you know, a good amount of time away. I mean, I'm sure you can get that all. It's a good amount, out. but it's also tight. Especially, yeah. you know, including the shipping time when I order DVDs, unless I pay the extra cash to get it shipped faster. Oh, I'm, I, that makes sense. You want to make sure you have stuff there to sell. Oh, gotcha. God, yeah. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. I, I read it as you just screening it there, not necessarily, yeah. Uh... Well, you know, you, you could make you, uh, make your movie just like every Italian film was in like the seventies and eighties to steal music from Hollywood films. I I was just gonna reuse older music, but then Steve O Steve Aborts, the composer of Super Task Force and Captain Z, uh, begged me to let him compose this film, so I agreed to it. Um, but now we're on a tight time limit. Tight time limit. Tight, tight, tight. Yeah, tight. I was just gonna, I was gonna reuse like Captain Z music, Everyone Must Die music, Slash Hunter music. Uh, but he wanted to do some original stuff with this, do something different, use some synths and stuff, like classic, like 90s slasher sort of music. So, letting him get to it, and I'm sure the uh, end result will be very high quality. Yeah, I'm sure it will. I, I think he does good quality work. Yes, he does. Does he get a lot of work outside of the stuff you hire him for? Or? I don't think so. I mean, he does other music. He does his original stuff. He does his video game covers, and I think he does okay with it. But in terms of being hired to compose, as far as I know, I'm the only one that hires him. That's so strange. I agree. Wonder why he doesn't get enough coverage. Maybe he doesn't sell himself enough or correctly. He needs to get on Squarespace. (laughs) He needs to get on Squarespace. This uh, this podcast is not sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace, hit us up. We get, you know, numbers. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. Uh, No excuses for that bullshit. It's the space for squares. So if you're square, that's your space. Yeah, they got squares galore. You want you want you want right right you want right angles. They got they got them. Fuck yeah, ninety degrees, motherfucker. Ninety eight degrees. That's my favorite boy band. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Pretty good one. Pretty how, great choice. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we kind of chatted a quick bit. I don't want to get too much into it. Everyone, everyone's chatty chatty Kathy about the Royal Rumble that took place this past. Uh, Sunday, um, fans of the podcast might remember when we watched, I talked about the, uh, Royal Rumble from last year, the 2015 Royal Rumble, and how much of a shit fest that fucking thing turned out to be. Uh, this year's was much better, very much more enjoyable. Um, AJ Styles made his WWE debut. It was a very strong debut. It was very exciting because, uh, been following, obviously he's been wrestling for years and years and years and years and years now between, um, TNA uh, did some, some Ring, of, Ring of Honor, uh, tore it up in New Japan, and now he's he's home in WWE. We're going to see where they go with them, and also still expecting some other people to come over from New Japan, and hopefully, uh, keep them fingers crossed, they can handle them properly. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so AJ Styles, Carl uh, Anderson, Doc Gallows, and the uh, well-revered and loved by wrestling fans all over the goddamn world is uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. And WWE's track record of Japanese talent is not the best at, in any any means at all. It's pretty pretty horrific. 
Uh, so just a matter of where they take him and what they do with him. Because if they leave him to his own devices, he can get, he will get over and be red hot in no time. Because he's he's charismatic as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if he you know no matter no matter if he speaks English or not, his pure just body chemistry and just his work in the ring is all all it takes. Um, it's just a matter of what they do with him. That that's the big big question mark right now. Where where they go, Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, but other than that stuff, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, just watching some films, do that all the time. I'm doing pretty good. I, I thought I'm gonna get. I, you know, I, I already keep track of everything I watched, but I thought I might give this year another shot on the 366 movie challenge. I'm at uh, it is the 27th, and I've watched 26 movies, so I'm doing pretty good keeping That's up. Pretty good. Yeah, most past couple Saturdays of the month have just turned into sitting down with Rachel watching three or four movies, so it helps keep me ahead. If there's a couple days like you know Wednesdays, I usually do some stuff so I can't get a movie watched or something like that. So it's keeping me, keeping me good. I'm gonna see if I can actually do it this year. If not, whatever. I'm watching movies anyway. It's not like it's gonna bother me if I mm-hmm. you know do or don't. I'm not gonna, like Doug Benson when he since I kind of, everyone's got like this idea from him. Uh, when it came near the end of 2015, he watched I think like 30 movies over the course of a week. <laughs> That's holy shit. He made it. <laughs> he did it. He watched he watched 365 in 2015, but. Good lord. Jesus Christ. His having to catch up there at the end was pretty horrific. Well, good for him. He did it. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> and now he gets again. all the puss. All the puss. <laughs> As, uh, that's right. Doug Benson, quote, all the puss. When I open my comedy club, I'll be like, this week is Doug Benson. He gets all the puss. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't. He gets all the weed. Yes, you know anything about Doug Benson? He gets all the weed. All the weeds. He's the weed comic. <laughs> he does his YouTube series, Getting Doug with High. <laughs> Which is always <laughs> fantastic. So that's great. Uh, but other than that, you know, same old stuff. Uh, don't have a lot of news stuff. I mean, we can spend a hot minute maybe uh, talking about the uh, Oscars. All the Oscar nominations got announced and stuff. Uh, not enough white people. Not enough white people. I guess that's the bit. Hashtag Oscar is so white. I'm like, I don't think Oscar Isaac is that white at all, actually. At all. Or, uh, but I don't know. I don't, know. I don't have any other Oscar jokes off the top of my head. Like, I, actors. Oh, Oscar. Uh, no. Even, I don't know. Can you say the movie Oscar starring Sylvester Stallone is a white is a white film? I mean, I guess it kind of is. Kind of. I mean, where, where, do, we ca- where do we classify Italians and people of that, uh, that ilk? Mm-hmm. Is Frank Stallone in it? That's the most important question. I don't remember. Don't think he is. Uh, so yeah, the Oscars. I don't care. Uh, I don't care either. As far, my my stance on that stuff has always been, you know what? A lot of good people don't get nominated for awards. I don't. I don't think it has anything to do with the color of your skin. No, personally, but unless I, you can find an actual proof of the fact. Just because you think Idris Elba was the greatest, was the greatest in Beast of No Nation, or um, Michael B. Jordan Creed, doesn't necessarily mean that. The people voting thought they were better than necessarily, I don't know, some other people mm-hmm. who got nominated. I don't remember. Like, I know Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, you know, like them. I mean, to ever, I mean, and again, we don't know the voting. I think uh, I Tyler Perry, there's one of the few moments I'll agree with Tyler Perry on something. He said basically, hey, if you just release the numbers, maybe people, you know, won't have such a big problem. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, like he, I think his example was uh, like if the Revenant got ten thousand votes, but Straight Outta Compton only got nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. At least you'll know that it did get a lot of votes, and it was close to being nominated. It was just a hair off, and I think that might 
sedate people's irate reactions to the nominations. I do agree with that, for sure. That is a very fair request for sure. For some transparency. But according to the Academy, they're they're just going to more more diversify their voting populace and stuff like that. I'm like, I I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that if you think you need to do that. But I think I don't think you, I don't think you need to do that. That's just my personal diversify with some people not in the industry voting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the who who all is in the voting pool. But I I but I guess there aren't any critics or anything like that. It's not really critics. It's like other actors and directors. People, and people stuff. in the industry. Well, I mean, like Dennis, Dennis Leary is on the Academy. Well, he's an, he's is he a member of SAG? But yeah. Well then, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, well, I mean, I'm the just saying, Academy like, Awards, go, even going back to the start, has always been about the industry, just like celebrating the industry. Absolutely, that's all it is. And celebrating usually most most often for best pictures, the spectacle films and things like that of that nature and things like that. I mean, I don't think anything's different now. I think a lot of times um, groups with uh, quote unquote minorities in them. Whoever you want to say that as a black actors, Asian, Asian American, whatever actors, I think a lot of times they're just necessarily, they're not necessarily making bad films. They're just making films that the Oscars don't normally look at as being best picture material. Mm-hmm. I say that, but immediately in the last maybe five or six years, they've really opened up a lot more stuff that gets nominated for best picture. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Do you want a nomination, even though you're probably not going to win? Like, I'm, what's a nomination mean? I don't know. Uh, you can toss them in the box. Token nominations. I just don't know if token nominations are what people actually want. Right. Because I feel like that's what it's going to turn into. And I, I, if it was me saying as, as a, a cis white male... Fucking cis scum. Yeah, I, I, I'd prefer just... I don't know. If I wasn't going to win anyways, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be nominated. Right. Because that just gets your hopes up. Mm-hmm. And then it then becomes a game of, well, no, one, no one's ever winning. How come no one's ever winning? I don't know. I don't think you can win when you're placating to people like Al Sharpton who make money off of controversy and racism. Uh, completely agreed. So, that's just my, that's just my two cents. As just a dude that lives in the Midwest. <laughs> uh, and then uh, toys. Toys are sexist. Hasbro sexist. Bandai sexist. Yeah, they're clearly sexist and not business people making business decisions based on financial histories of sales. Yep. And the little amount of information that they're given on all the characters. Yes, for those of you who don't know, there's a, there's a big big beef going out because apparently some girl supposedly I always take these these letters that quote unquote that children write in huge like grain a, of salt, grain, huge grain of salt. <laughs> like I think a lot of people might know the story from years ago where some some uh, Joe Quesada for Marvel got a letter saying how this girl loved Spider the Spider Girl series. So because of that letter, they kept the series going. And then it found out that it was just some like guy who wrote it, and, was, and the daughter in question was like. Like six months old <laughs> and he's like yeah she, she will love it someday and it's like see i always take these letters a huge grains of salt they're actually children writing them i remember not. one time a child wrote uh to dc quote unquote wrote to dc uh and used the fucking argument of uh how can there not be a wonder woman movie but she, but marvel has a movie with a talking raccoon i'm just like there's no way a six-year-old girl wrote that there's no yeah. way a six-year-old girl made that argument at all yeah, I find that stuff highly suspect every time it pops up. I need to write a letter as a six-year-old girl to one of the comics being like, Man, I love tits! How come I there ain't enough tits? tits? I mean, I mean, if a, I don't know. Would anybody take that letter seriously if it's a six-year-old boy? Or would it just be only taken seriously if a six-year-old well, girl? Well, a little fucking cis, white, six-year-old boy, male. Get that you shit patriarchy, bitch. 
Well, for those who don't know the fall of it, a little girl supposedly wrote a letter to Hasbro asking why there isn't a Ray piece in the Monopoly set. Uh, Hasbro did respond to this, saying that they, they uh, from what they were told, they didn't want to spoil the film. Because all the marketing was leading you to believe that Finn was the main character. So it was Finn and... was it? Finn and Chewbacca and then Darth Vader and... What was the other piece? Man, I'm getting mixed up. Oh, Luke. Darth Vader and Luke and then Finn and Chewbacca, I think was the... Or, or I think, yeah. Oh, no, no. Or was it Kylo Ren? Whatever. Rey wasn't one of the play pieces on the Star Wars Monopoly. And Hasbro was like, yo, dogs, we were told stuff. We don't want to spoil stuff. So since this stuff came out in September and, you know, early, early October and no one knows anything about the film, they didn't put it out there. But they were going to make the piece available later, which they aren't already doing. Mm-hmm. On top of that, people are then saying, like, well, there's no, there's never any theme. This brings back to the big discussion because I guess there was a, um issue with Power Rangers and supposedly Bandai saying they don't, they're not going to make any female figures. I mean, you might know more about that than I necessarily do. Uh, I mean, they make fucking female rangers every single year. Uh, they, Bandai, well, not Bandai, sorry. Um, Saban has gone out of their way to put, like, extra females on teams that had one female, like in the Japanese footage. They have made um, other colored rangers into females in order to have more female rangers on the team. Mm. Uh, so I don't see how in any way it's a sexist... Um, idea. I think it's literally just the figures don't fucking sell. I mean, uh, for every single season since Samurai, and I don't know about pa- you know before that because it's been years uh, with the previous teams and stuff. Um, but with Samurai on, they've they've mailed out one female of each Ranger color, like per case, and I see them shelf warming a lot. I mean, I remember I bought the uh, the pink and the yellow uh, Super Mega Force figures. Uh, because I'm a huge fan of Gokaiger, the Japanese show that it's based on. And to find the figure arts of Pink and Yellow is super hard because they did not make enough of those. And, well, they're, they're and were, uh, they were in ahead, demand. But they're well, they're, also... No, but those those were uh, uh, web shop exclusives. That too. So you could only order them if you lived in Japan on a website. Yeah, they were never and mass released, uh, which yeah. was kind of crappy. Uh, but, like, that's the... they were Figure arts are meant for the collector's market anyway. We're talking about retail stores, kids yes. and stuff. Uh, but I picked up those figures when they first came out, because I expected them to go up in price, because people would be picking them up and buying them. And, you know, like, the first couple of shipments, yeah, they sold, and they were kind of hard to find, but then, like, by the third shipment, pink and yellow were fucking everywhere, and that was just the one series. I saw the same thing with Samurai, Super Samurai, I've seen the pink Dino Charge Ranger fucking everywhere. The female ranger toys sell way less than the male rangers there's like a thousand red rangers on the shelves and in the same rate that it takes to sell two pink rangers all those red rangers will sell yeah it's fucking sales it's that's what it is and yeah what i'm talking about is my personal anecdotal personal views on what i've seen personally and i've said personal like three times there yeah Uh, but i'm establishing that yeah i understand that that's just my experience but these companies have to have spent thousands of dollars, probably even more than that, on actual research to study these numbers and figure out what the best ratio of male to female figures are in order to still turn a profit. Absolutely. I mean, every industry person will tell you that uh, female figures don't sell. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's the honest truth of it. It's they, they like money. They aren't choosing to not make female figures because they hate women. If female figures sold, they would make female figures. Pretty much. It's just they don't. Like, you can look at um, the Marvel Legends figures from Hasbro. They've since, uh, maybe about two years ago, every wave has had two female figures in them at this point. 
And every time I go to Walmart, guess what's on the shelf? Uh, Hellcat, Spider-Woman, Spider-Girl, Arachne. Oh, you mean uh, those D-list characters? Captain Marvel, Scarlet Witch. Uh, even when the Guardians of the Galaxy films came out, the film came out, Gamora was fucking everywhere. I mean, they always just sit there forever. Because mm-hmm. no one buys them. No one buys them. I mean, collectors buy them. The first When they first come out, yes, they're hard to get because collectors are buying them. So they are kind of, uh, you know, they're, they sc- they're scalped a lot because mm-hmm. they're one per case. But after, as soon as the collectors and people who actually want them get them, uh, they just sit there. Yep. Because honestly, kids are not going to aim for that. And the problem is also, you could also say maybe parents and maybe parents that have girls keep them in the pink aisle, not in the, quote unquote, the boy aisle, mm-hmm. even though Target is changing that by removing the color coding of the aisles, which I think is a good idea. I do think that's a good idea. Like, there are, there are definitely some gender arguments in this toy thing that I agree with, but since I don't agree with everything, I'm cis scum. <laughs> you don't agree with everything, you're cis scum. Um, now, with the, with the Wraith controversy, everyone's saying there's no Wraith figures, but if you, you can, you can look, there's been like seven different versions of of ray made from hasbro not even just hasbro i mean there's like six from hasbro and one uh lego made a uh these series of figures they're kind of like action figures made from like technic parts and bionicle type pieces so you can get like ray finn captain phasma Kyler, and all of them so like there's a figure of her on the shelf right now just go buy it if you're saying there's no 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 ray figures go buy that one they always make they always want to point to like the stupid 12 inch like five point articulation like solid plastic figures that Hasbro makes. They always want to point to that as a, a, a point of like discrimination. Like there's no there's no female version of this. Yeah, but there's female ver- there's a female version of that character in like six different other forms. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. to the right of your photo you just took of the shelf. So why don't you stop you know trying to pick and choose your little bitch thing the bit thing you're gonna you're gonna cry about even though you're not gonna buy the damn thing anyways. Yeah, it's a bunch of pe- bunch of pe- bunch of dumb. Third wave feminist assholes who have nothing better to do with their life but get mad about something affecting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just because a character isn't in every single version doesn't mean it's a knock on the character or anything. Like, uh, my one friend is like ninety nine percent on our side with everything that we just argued. She's made like the exact same arguments. Mm-hmm. She said that the only thing that annoyed her was like that six pack has like, um, it has Kylo and it has Finn, but then instead of having Ray, it has a bunch of faceless characters. But even in that. Even in that situation, it's two named characters and mooks. Like, if yep. Ray was in that set, Ray would be in the set instead of Finn. And mm-hmm. then black people could complain that... Yeah. Like... You, you could. I mean, yeah. Like, oh, of course they use the white girl. Yeah, I mean, you can't really help anybody. I just feel bad. I mean, I admittedly, I think it's the licensor's fault more than anything, because they never tell the uh, the companies like Hasbro to tell anything about the fucking projects. Like, they'll just send them pictures. That's why you have figures of guys like the... Um, the constable dude, like there's a figures of him everywhere on the shelf for the black series because his scene was cut from the film. So there's a figure of a guy that's not even in the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Hasbro didn't know that. That's why he was released in the first wave of stuff. Yeah, it's just hilarious. But that's that's it for like current controversies that continue to happen every six months. There's some new fucking clickbaity bullshit article being shared by everybody. I'm gonna make my PSA right now to our, our loyal listeners. Don't click dumb bullshit clickbait crap. Just stop it. Mm-hmm. Stop clicking all that stuff. Don't. If it has some title of this company's doing something, you won't believe what it is. Don't <laughs> click that. Don't share it. Don't. You're the, you're the problem. Stop it. Stop clicking, sharing some BuzzFeed. Stop sharing stuff from fucking, I don't know, what's the other stupid shit? Jezebel. Jezebel. Oh, God. Mary <laughs> I just say that in you immediately like, oh, Jesus Christ. Fuck that. Oh. Either them and the Mary Sue can eat my ass. The Huffington Post, too, anymore. Huffington Post is pretty bullshit, too. A lot of times. 
But that's just my personal opinion. I don't know. I just see, I, God, I'm so tired of dumb clickbait bullshit for just, that's what's a disturbed dumb controversies about stuff people have no fucking clue what they're talking about. None. Take it from us. We listen to either, A, we listen to tons of film podcasts to talk about the stuff uh, from reputable people, or we, we are knee deep in, like, the, you know, world of um, toys and action figures and stuff and know how the how the business works. And, like, you know, we're. We go to a lot like, of panels. We, like, we actually have talked to a lot of the actual uh, guys in charge of these toys or creative guys. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like, I, I, uh, Toy Fair is next uh, week or the week after. I think the next week. It's like always like the oh it's the week after because it's always during Valentine's Day. Um, I follow the news coverage that like everything. I gotta know everything that's going on because it's interesting to me. I, I love the whole like um, production process. There's a podcast I'll plug called Toy Break. Uh, George and Alien Gaspar host and have had run for like ten years now, and it's it's fascinating because a lot of artists come on talk about a like their like art vinyl toy they make like even like even on stuff that's not like a massive commercial entity. Just the whole like process of how things make is just fascinating to me how you make steel molds how you get prototypes made like test shots like everything like how stuff works in china you know mm-hmm. i'm into that so when i see all these like dumb mom from idaho or something saying like oh no that there was that, that lady from florida who saw the uh heisenberg figure from breaking bad at toys r us and then said that was offensive and some kid like uh, what's this and like what shut up mm-hmm. you know you're I don't know. Read about that art. If you guys haven't heard about that stupid debacle bullshit, go check it out. It was pretty stupid. So here's a this this figures on a shelf with all this other stuff for adults, but my kid might ask questions. I like Carrie Fisher's response to that was the best. It was just like if you're, you know, why don't you just have a fucking conversation with your daughter? No shit. Tell tell I... tell. Oh, what? Why is Leia wearing this? Well, tell her that a bad man made her wear it, and then she hurt. Then she killed the bad man, and then stopped wearing it. I don't see. <laughs> I don't see where the conflict is here. All right, there's that one video with the guy talking to his daughter, and how she's like, "I like it." Yeah, it's, an, it's a nice little outfit. I mean, I may be wrong because I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but of all the things, didn't that outfit become a thing because Carrie Fisher asked George to wear something sexier? No, I, I think it's actually quite the opposite. Okay. George wanted just to do something. Yeah, it was, yeah, I don't think it was that way. Okay, again, I'm I don't not, know the I, exact uh, way it went, I, but I, just I, knew, heard I know it like wasn't that. her initiating it. That's fair, but again, even then, it was it was shown to be a bad thing, and then she stopped wearing it. So I don't see, and a lot of a uh, lot of women like it. Yeah, I mean, this it's, 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 it's sexy a sexy outfit. Yeah, I mean, There's nothing go to, wrong with you go to any convention, and, uh, and if there, there's women all over the place wearing that costume all the time. It's, it's heavily cosplayed. Slave lays with their knowing smiles. <laughs> I remember one year, uh, General Giant's booth at Comic-Con had like 30 women dressed up as Slave Leia. <laughs> uh, I think Rachel got a picture of them, I can't remember or not, but... They were all guffawing because Rachel was wearing some like Lord of the Rings shirt, and they all just like wanted to know where she. Got. It was it was a hilarious situation. That's awesome. But it was just funny because they had all these slave layers just all sitting down in front of the booth. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that was all about, but that's that controversy shit. But no, we have something that is not controversial. Something that is a tried and true method. Some of our best listen, you know, best um, quality, best. Um, I keep wanting to say best. Maybe I should say most. Most listened to episodes. We're back, baby. We are back. Jason Statham. Fucking yes, Statham. We're back, guys. It's been a while. It's been several months. But we're back with Jason Statham. 
We're back with two more of his hard-hitting, amazing films as we run down Jason Statham's filmography. Uh, so we're, we're knee-deep in 2011. And we're going to kick it off with Blitz. Blitz! Radar. One hour and 37 minutes. Directed by Elliot Lester. A tough cop is dispatched to take down a serial killer who has been targeting police officers. This is a really weird video game-based movie. It has very little to do with the Blitz arcade game uh, from the 90s. This has even less to do with NFL Blitz. Oh, that's what I was talking about. Oh, is that is that an arcade game? Yeah. I just knew it, I just knew of it as being on console. Oh, it was so ported to console, yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> this, okay, this has even less to do with the Blitz and Blitz of World War II. That too. That better? Yes. Okay. Uh, so let's, we're going to kick it back old school style. Let's just get into it. Steve, what did you like about Blitz? Uh, not much. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a bad film. Uh, it was not negative at all. But it was... For the lack of a better word, I was bored. You're bored, huh? Uh, most of the film, there was not much to it. It was just the same stuff that I've seen a dozen times before, especially with Jason Statham. Um, but whereas other movies do like a lot of really cool, more unique things, this one seemed very uh, straightforward, cut and dry sort of thing. Um, gotcha. I liked, I liked the villain. I thought, ah, uh, yes, uh, uh, Mr. CIA, as the meme has uh, turned Aiden Gillen into yes uh yeah as as Weiss as the uh as Blitz his name is Blitz yes <laughs> he's my name's Blitz what the fuck does that mean what the fuck does that mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> kept on just saying that <laughs> oh man i mean uh jason himself was excellent as yeah, anytime always you get, yeah anytime you get him as just like a hard ass cop man you're just it's good you're not gonna. You're not choosing poorly. Um, not. And I did like the concept of there's this uh, gay cop that everyone gives a hard time because he's gay, because it's not modern day or something. I don't know. It's fucking weird. He gets a lot mm-hmm. of shit for being a gay cop. Well, and I mean, Jason Statham is the one guy's like, I don't give a fuck who you fuck. Let's fucking do be cops. Yeah, I mean, I think that would happen here and now, and even even like today in 2016. Yeah, you're I think right. You need cops. You get that kind of um, manly Bro. macho. Yeah, not I don't, yeah, yeah, like that. That attitudes, and I don't know how it is in Britain, but even here you get that definitely. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I don't know. I we're on, from what we're told, that's the case. But Statham is obviously our hero. He's a good cop. He doesn't give a shit as long as you do your job and you can help him do stuff. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching this film was hilarious to me because I just recently, um, the last couple months, I was watching the Dirty Harry films. Okay, and. Uh, I just finished that by watching the Deadpool, and then Rachel, oddly enough, Rachel watched the Deadpool first, and but she had never seen Dirty Harry or any other films, so we watched Dirty Harry. And watching Dirty Harry, then like a day later watching Blitz, it was kind of it was, it was fun to me for a matter because they're kind of similar in some respects, mm-hmm. and how uh, in um, Dirty Harry, obviously Harry Callahan is having trouble catching Scorpio because like when he first arrests them, he didn't have a warrant like tortured tortured him to get all this information so all this evidence is like just inadmissible in court and like he's just gonna walk scot free and a kind of similar thing happens and uh, with, with blitz with um when they finally do catch blitz and everything they just don't really have any evidence on him mm-hmm. and so they have to let him go and so that that's kind of uh, the big thing there and I, I always like cop films that remember that 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 do remember that criminals have rights yes absolutely 
And it's a, it's a similar thing. I mean, this might also be like a micro-review of Harry Dirty Harry here, but it also applies to Blitz. It's always so funny because you as the audience are cheering for the cop to take down the bad guy. But in the, and likewise, you're also cheering for the cop to just um, violate the person's rights yeah. in, the, in the process. Because, yes, I mean, in Dirt, Harry Callan brings up the point. It's like, well, what about the rights of that little girl, that, that Scorpio, you know? you know uh raped and uh, let left to suffocate and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's like what, what what about the rights of the victims here and that's always an interesting you know um dialogue you can have and, and a message you can have in your film but it's always just interesting as an audience perspective on how you're like yeah yeah fucking kill that guy but like you can't kill it he, he hasn't been tried yet right <laughs> you're, you're talking about you're talking about vigilante justice at this point like you're verging onto technically i guess you could say dread territory even though in 2080 world that is technically the law yes it is the law uh, i'm waiting for the cop film where it's it's shown like that and the cop goes against the rules to get the bad guy that he's absolutely sure has been doing all this bad stuff and the bad guy seems pretty bad and then he kills the bad guy and then it turns out he was completely innocent uh, um, there's no evidence supporting man i oh man i'm sure somebody can tell can like tell us i i know i've seen that movie good i'm glad it exists um I just can't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But that that's definitely been done before. I mean, even even then, movies do that already. Like when the cops think they have the guy, and then they arrest him. I guess um, um, Ransom did that. Mm-hmm. Was it, I think that yeah, but they caught a guy. But then it turned. Uh, what was the, what's the actor's name? Um, um, I'm blanking out. But then then you find out, like one of the cops was actually the one who kidnapped uh, Mel Gibson's kid and all that stuff like that. So, I mean, that happens. I mean, but uh, back to Blitz here. Um, did you have any more positives? I know we kind of we kind of shifted, of course, there a little bit. Um, I mean, as you kind of already pointed out, I did appreciate that he got off after, during like the interrogation because they had no actual proof of what he did. None. Uh, I mean, they had proof, but then, uh, then the, uh, I forget the informant's guy name. Like he totally fucked that up. Fucked that up. <laughs> um, no, I dug that scene. I dug that he kind of got away temporarily, mm-hmm. and then they had to become dirty cops. Um, although, to be fair, they did catch him red-handed as he was about to shoot him. They did. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jason Satham had a gun pointed at him and then decided to switch guns for a second and then switch back to his original gun and then shoot him. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about that like, when we get more into, like I guess, negatives and nitpicks about stuff. We can talk about that. Um, where, where to start? Oh, so positives for me. Um, obviously, Statham, great. Uh, Patty uh, uh, Considine as, uh, as his partner, who's great. And Gillian is great. I loved how he's just this is ridiculous fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Like when you first meet him, he has like the fucking like lime green colored shades, wearing, wearing this like shitty fucking like sleeveless like uh, vest, like like Marty McFly wore, and then, um, stuff just goes up and fucking kills a cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, this film is set in uh, in London, which that stuff's always fascinating to me. Helps kind of I don't know add, add a cool like layer to a film for me. Which is funny if you know stuff about England. It's like you get the, um, this guy with a gun killing people, and then you have to remember like the guns are pretty much like a like not not common, in uh, in London. Yeah, super not in common. England and UK in general. And so when you see like someone get caught, killed, like it, if you know that, then you can imagine like people around it being like super more shocked and like uh, like scared and shit mm-hmm. like that. Because like, oh man, gun! Whoa. Holy fuck! Because cops don't care. Cops rarely carry rare, rare, rarely carry guns, mm-hmm. unless you're like a SWAT guy or something like that. Um, what other stuff here? What did I write down? Um, <laughs> uh, I thought, well, I kind of, I, um, it was kind of a good thing, such bad thing, 
it's a mix here. I like how uh, Nash, uh, Statham's partner, played by Patty Con- Considine. I like when he tells the story about the pedophile that he couldn't capture. Yes. And then, you know, fucking went, after after so long, just went fucking ballistic and then just beat the guy's, like, balls in with a baseball bat. Yes. And, um, I like that, but I, I, I it's funny because admittedly the film didn't immediately make me think that was foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. But then it obviously it got to a point where that where you knew that that was going to be the conclusion. But even with that, I like how they still kind of changed it up a bit. Where yes, they did take out their own justice on him, but they also set it up to make it look like he, uh, um, what's the word? Oh no, no, no. I guess I guess and I I I miss I misthought this out, but how the way of doing it was different. Where they made it look like uh, the um, actual Blitz killed him. Yes, yeah, he doesn't even get his own glory. They took that yeah. away from him. That's what I was trying to yeah. like formulate, and it kind of slipped up in my, when I was misspeaking it. That's what I really liked about it, where it's like, yeah, they took it. It wasn't just them finding him later and killing him or something like that. This, no, they tricked him and they're, like pulling a gun on him. He was dressed up as a cop, so when they killed him, it's like, oh, you're just another victim of Blitz. You match the MO. You're you know, dressed as a cop and you're killed and with the, you know this gun and all this other stuff. And... Mm-hmm. That was that. Um, other positives. Uh, I didn't... The subplot. The subplot with... Um, uh, where's the... I'm going to make sure I get the actress's name right. Uh, uh, Zoe Ashton plays uh, like plays Falls. Like how she is kind of teetering between... Um, like she apparently got off rehab. She's back to being a cop. Mm-hmm. I didn't... Oh, I guess we're, I guess we're shifting like some negatives now. Because I, I think we all kind of, kind of both echo, echoed our, our positives on that. Um... I didn't like her subplot that much. I didn't really feel like it was necessary or added anything to it for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agreed or not. No, it didn't really that. do anything for me. It's either. like, oh, but she, like, I kind of kind of sit there feeling like, okay, are they doing this to just establish her that way we care about her when Blitz is trying to kill her or we care about the like the hooligan kid that she's taking care of when Blitz like fucking just like snaps his neck on a fucking curb or... <laughs> It, it, it felt weird to me because like she doesn't really factor into anything after that. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing Luke Evans pop up as Stokes. I always like seeing him and stuff. Yeah, I like um, him. Yeah, I think you know I like him quite a bit as an actor. Um, he's fine. I thought he might factor into stuff more. He didn't. Like I just felt like that whole subplot could have been cut from the film. Mm-hmm. It just didn't really feel like it added anything of, of, of relevance to everything. But um, uh, and I think. I think, yeah, I think the one negative thing that we both have because I, I didn't have a lot of other stuff to really point it out that I thought was bad. Um, I mean, we might have something, but I know one we both agreed on was how at the uh, end of the film, when Statham goes for the shot where they're doing the shot where he's going to shoot Blitz in the head, they cut away to a, 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 wide. a shot, a wide shot, and he's holding like a revolver, a completely different gun. <laughs> but it's like a, it's like a two seconds and boom, right back to a, to a, um, a close up shot. I was really, I was so confused why they did. I couldn't find out anything why that was that case. Yeah, I don't know why um, they would use that. Like, like first of all, I'm curious how he got that gun in his hands on the set. Like, what prop supervisor fucked up? Uh, yeah, and no then shit. how did they use that shot in the editing room? How did they use that shot to be like, oh, that gun looks really different? Yeah, fuck it. I don't know if it's a case of a, um, maybe the um, the normal like handgun there, like the you know like normal like you know 45 type gun they had. I don't know if that's the case where that prop gun just malfunctioned and they couldn't use it. So they had to, it was like, maybe it was a case of like, okay, well, this is all we have. So mm-hmm. we got to do this. Mm-hmm. It was a point no of going to fucking notice. But that, that problem with me is like, yeah, if that's the case on shooting, why would you let that through in editing? Right. Why don't you just do a different shot or just keep it the same shot you had 
I don't know. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could have fixed it. I'm with the material I was presented with in the film. You could have easily just not had the shot with the fucking um, the shitty fucking revolver yes. for two seconds because it's like totally like whoa 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 wait what what I see there. Mm-hmm. It's totally 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 pulls you out of the scene and it's very distracting. It is. And I tried to watch on the Blu-ray. There's a behind the scenes, and all it is is the them uh, like the day of filming at the train yard. It's just some looks like some extra or not extra like a PA is just in the back behind everybody, just holding a camera, <laughs> and it's just recording for like 15 minutes. That's all it is. It's like the shittiest fucking behind the scenes thing <laughs> I've ever seen as a bonus feature on a, on a home video release. It was just ridiculously stupid. Mm-hmm. But that's about it for my negatives. Do you have anything else that I left out, like negative stuff? I mean, again, it was just mostly generic and boring. Like, that's the worst thing I can say about the film, but sometimes that's bad enough. Mm. Uh, it just, there's nothing that really was that interesting. Like, I liked a couple of the characters, I liked the villain, but the plot moved pretty slow. It was very straightforward. I don't know. I don't know. Just wasn't my kind of film. Didn't catch me. Did not catch me. I gotcha. Um, I, I agree with you on being generic, but it's also a cop drama about co- a, co- a cop killer. I mean, that's that's been done to death. Cop killer, better you than me. <laughs> um, but I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I didn't. I never really felt bored. I thought it moved along. I mean, I, I like I said, I thought the subplot was where it was kind of like. Uh, what's this? Yeah, the subplot. Especially. I, don't, I don't need this. Like, I, 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 I the subplot I did really like was um with uh Staten's detective friend who that like, could be in the film he's like getting his wife cremated and all this other stuff like that that they very quickly and very successfully established him as a character that I care about mm-hmm. so when the blitz comes to, like his door and stuff I am legit like sad kind of you know sad that he dies and is is like a victim of the of the of the of the, of the blitz and the killing of cops right like that 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 was well but that was stuff like the I I didn't give a shit about the drug lady I'm like okay I, you're not drawing me in nearly enough here. Oh, she's relapsing. Oh, this, that. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. It just didn't draw me in. But they could have saved I, I, a lot I, of time and probably made the film a lot tighter if they didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, it's already 97 minutes, so it's a pretty tight. It's I mean, it's not too long, but I mean, I don't think it would kill the. I mean, I think you probably could have lost a little bit, and it, I don't think it would have been bad if the movie was like 87, like they cut 10 minutes out or something. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I do agree. They could have could have been a little tighter, or at least add some more stuff of substance. Right, for sure. And not make it... And sorry, there are a lot of times where it's a lot of just characters sitting down talking, which I, I appreciate for character development and getting us to care more about people, but I just it just didn't have any um, impact on these and, and the, like the main conclusion of the film or like or where they were going. It just felt like, yeah, we're doing this, but we're really... what Where's that taking us mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things? Right. Like you wrote, like, it's like writing something down here, but you, how, how does that help us get from A to B? I was a lot of times left wondering that. So right, completely. Agree. Uh, but yeah, so I think we can move on to star ratings here. Uh, I, uh, I I was very comfortable giving it a three point five. Uh, I give it a three out of five. It's a very very average film in my opinion. Very for, for sure for sure. Uh, Statham is obviously um, giving it a great performance as usual. I I don't recall unless I've meant I mean, it's been a while. Maybe Jason Statham is the Jim Varney of action films. I was just about to say, I've never, I was trying to think off the top of my head, I don't want to get caught here in uh, saying something, uh, you know, contradictory, but I don't feel like I've ever seen Statham sleepwalk through anything. No. He's always like, okay, I'm here to work, let's go. Let's, let's do this. I mean, I was, you know, 
He takes what he's given. He just does everything to the best of ability. I will say that I would never... I don't know if I'd ever put... Well, I wouldn't say never. I'm sure that there's been situations where I might put him on the same level as, like, I, I'll go back to um, Demon Knight, where Billy Zane and William Sadler can certainly elevate material. Mm-hmm. There are times I'm not sure if Statham can really elevate stuff, but he always at least is giving it 100%. Yeah. And just, like, and like, like he knows his roles... He's good in the roles he's cast in. He can handle them. Like, hey, you're a tough, badass, badass cop. Statham is perfect for that. Statham's always good playing your heavy. Mm-hmm. And I think you're just badass dude. Because that's Statham. Statham has the demeanor, the voice, and whatever you think of his acting. He has the chops for it, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. To make me believe that he's who he's who he is in this film. Right. In that regards. So that's 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 Blitz. I would say check it out if you can. I'm sure it's it's available somewhere that wouldn't cost you anything really to check it out. So if you're a Statham head, I I, I wouldn't say skip it. I mean, I, I think it's, there's enough there to at least check it out. If you're if you're looking for some sweet Statham action, if you need some sweet Statham action. It's worth watching. There is some sweet Statham action. There certainly is. If you're not looking for sweet Statham action, I would not suggest it. Yeah, the beginning of the... I guess I forgot all about the beginning of the film where he beats up the, the hooligans with the hockey stick. Oh, yeah, that was probably, honestly, my favorite part of the film. Yeah, that, it was definitely a highlight of the film. It was a very strong it, opening. Yeah, it is. He's going to beat the shit out of them. And then they, like, report him for being, like, an abusive cop. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. Um, so, let's move on. We're continuing into two, in 2011 here with uh, The Mechanic, a remake of the Charles Bronson film, mm-hmm. which I've never seen, Neither so don't look for us uh, comparing it here. Maybe someday, but not right now. Uh, one hour and 33 minutes, rated R, directed by Simon West. Follows an elite heat him. Follows an elite hitman as he teaches his trade to an apprentice who has a connection to one of his previous victims. That's a, that's a summary. That is. I mean, his <laughs> previous victim was uh, his best friend. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Let's, uh, okay, so, um, st- d- uh, what am I trying to say here? Words. Words. Steve, what did you think of The Mechanic? I actually really liked The Mechanic. Um, it was another movie where uh, Statham has a uh, very simple job where he also kills people. In one film series, he's a transporter. In this one, he's a mechanic. Yes. Um, but it's, I think it's a very tight film. I think it's interesting. The characters are compared to Blitz, much more interesting. The movie moves at a much faster pace. It's interesting right off the bat in, like, every single act of the film. It, there's a consistent, fast-moving, forward pace that I really enjoyed. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. The, the kills were cool. The um, action was cool. It was it was solid. And, again, I liked the characters. I liked Statham. I liked his best friend. I liked um, his friend's son that he t- takes under his wing, Stephen, who's just a complete fuck-up. And Satham is trying his hardest to train the son of a bitch. Uh, yes. I liked the company. They was clear they were going to be the bad guys from the start, but I didn't care. Yeah. Um, it was just all around really solid. Um, and I uh, I appreciated the writing of the film, because there was definitely a few things where the writer of the film, the writers of the film, because there's two of them, mm-hmm. were probably thinking of situations where something were to happen, but then they also said, well, what if someone notices? Oh, well, then this will have to happen to make it make sense. Such as Statham's mm-hmm. making it look like his victim is still swimming after he has drowned him in the pool. Yeah. Just little things like that that I really well, yeah, appreciate. Yeah, I, I was watching that scene for sure. I was like, oh, he looks down to see I got drowned. And, it's like, and he starts like doing the motions like he's swimming. I'm like, oh, that is smart. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, actually, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little attention to detail. That's a lot of films about an assassin would be like, just leave this guy floating. Like, nope, got to make it look like an accident. Mm-hmm. 
Like, like this character of Arthur Bishop that Statham plays is like really well defined and like how it's easier to make it look like an accident than like, you know, straight up murder or something. Absolutely. Like, it's a big focus on most of the time we have to make it look like an accident. Very rarely do we have to actually send a message with this. Yeah, absolutely. I like it a lot. Uh, my, uh, my biggest thing I liked about the film from the start was, uh, the quick establishing, uh, relationship between Donald Sutherland and Jason Statham. Yes. Man. So good. I agree. That was probably my if I, that was probably my favorite thing about the film is how like because Sutherland dies pretty quick early in the film Within but like the, minutes but like the two scenes where they have them talk and like converse and it's like clear they're friends best friends like like I mean you, Sutherland's a great actor and so is Statham here so they're both like just oozing charisma and, and, and like they have really good chemistry on screen here there's no origin so, there's no backstory but within like those two scenes you see how they are clearly have been friends for years absolutely and then so when statham's looking to get his next job he finds out oh that's donald sutherland what's up with this so he meets with the head of the company uh dean played by tony goldwyn and it's like no like we sent these guys in to do a mission they got caught and killed we you know it's like look at his bank account clearly he sold us out and so it's like they give him the offer you know give him the job because like would you rather be you or be you know some other guy and so um, Statham, actually, I, I, this is one thing I like about the film, setting up all these weird, like, I was, like, quote, unquote, like, Ocean's eleven E type schemes where they set up plans and have stuff carried out. So it's like, ah, very, very you know, um, smart, well-executed means of getting killing people and, like, plans and stuff like that. I always like movies that do stuff like that, so I just find it fascinating to me. Um, but with him, it's, like, got it, like made him think people were coming for him because us as the audience think he's going to try to save him or get him out of there. And then it's like, get him, like, it's out in his parking deck. It's like, oh, you, you just had me bypass my own security. Yep. <laughs> He's like, oh, you, you, you son of a bitch. You got you me. Son of a bitch. And that scene is, I mean, if we're so quick in the film, we barely know anything about, like, for, we're still early on, the, early on knowing anything about Arthur Bishop's or, or Harry McKenna, that's Sutherland's character. And even in this scene, you're like, I'm already sitting like, man, feeling really bad. Getting hit in the feels and feeling sad that Statham has to kill his, like, best friend here. Mm-hmm. And even their, their exchange and stuff, where he pulls out the gun, he like shoots up the van, and it's like that way at least it doesn't look like I died like a pussy, right? And then yeah, shoots them and kills them, and that's it's like it's tough. I was like, man, that's a tough scene. That's a hard scene. Yeah, it was for sure. Um, that was definitely like probably my high point. I mean, there, don't get me wrong, I say that's the high point, and I don't think everything else is bad. It's just like that was like it was really well written, scene, yeah. well done, and everything was handled perfectly. Um. And the rest of them goes from there. Uh, ben Foster plays Steve McKenna, Harry's son. He's super, like, filled with rage and revenge because he wants to find out who killed his father. And Statham, basically, because he feels guilty for killing his father, brings him in, helps him channel that energy, and basically brings him, like, as an apprentice, as an assassin. Mm-hmm. So they go through. It's really funny because uh, he has them start doing things at the beginning that you don't understand what it means. Like, he has them get a chihuahua, go to this coffee shop every day, order coffee, do all this stuff. And they're like, oh, what's this all meaning? And then it turns out that... There's a, um, a a rival hitman that goes to this place, and like all this time, Statham has basically been setting up so Ben, Fo- ben Foster's character can get in with him because this guy apparently has a guy thing for guys and stuff like that. And so that way, it, it makes an easy end so that Ben Foster can try to kill him. Yeah, that doesn't go as planned at all. <laughs> but man, that was a good that was a good fight. It was scene, a good sure. fight scene where he was clearly outmatched. And yeah. at no point were they trying to make it seem like, oh, he's such a good fighter. They go, no, this other guy's fucking huge. No shit. <laughs> like, good thing he found the screwdriver, cuz. 
Yeah, because he's like he thought he, the the idea was that he was going to put like a um, what's the word? It's a roofie basically, but the amount they're going to put in his drinks would cause his heart to seize and it'll kill him. He'd be very clean, easy. But when they're at the bar, he decides not to, and then because he, he thinks back to when Statham first showed him how to first first when he made a made a guy's death look like autoerotic asphyxiation. Yeah. So his grand idea is when they're at this guy's house and are dressing and stuff, he's just going to wrap the belt around him, choke him out. But this guy's like six six, like three hundred three hundred pounds. <laughs> yeah, or he just flips him. <laughs> just flips him, starts like throwing him through walls. It was it was fucking crazy. Yeah. Loved it a lot. And then uh, so from there they're doing work and stuff like that. So I thought that was. Oh, great. I actually really like um, how the, the reveal, when, uh, when Ben finds out that Statham was the one that killed his father. Because mm-hmm. uh, he finds basically the gun that um, Sullivan's character had. Yeah, yeah the, he finds a gun that was his father's that Statham used to kill him and stuff. And um, so it's, you're just, he, you know, he keeps it, keeps it quiet, doesn't do anything for a while, and you're really wondering when, you're left wondering when and if he's actually going to exact revenge on Statham. Mm-hmm. And then he does, and then he uh, thinks he killed Statham, he goes back to Statham's house, puts on a record, drives away in this nice car, gets a note saying, if you're reading this, you're already dead, Steve, uh, dead Steve. and then he's like, ha ha ha, yeah, right, the car blows it. up, the house blows up. And of course, Jason, Statham got away. Yep, got a cool roll out from the truck, and then blow up. Roll out. They got two I have to say, truck. I actually... I, I, uh, part of me, well, so the problem is I know there's a sequel film coming out this year, mm-hmm. uh, Mechanic Resurrection. So I'm like, well, clearly Statham lives. But if, I was also kind of getting ca- caught into the film where I'm like, oh man, Statham dead? What's what's going on here? Then everything fell into place. I'm like, oh yeah, of course, of course, you can't kill Jason Statham. I was expecting Statham to live uh, because they kept showing him clearly watching that guy in the mirror, um, mm-hmm. and he was pretty content, and he's too good to just get blown up with gas but yeah, they spent so much time on steve like in statham's house and then getting blown up by a bomb planted much earlier that that's when i was just like oh no maybe they're both dead and that's how the film's ending mm-hmm. um and statham wins because he beat steve but he himself is also dead but then oh no he did get away nope he had a truck parked over here why did he have that truck, there? that truck and he's probably gonna go to another home he has it's already set up because he's like crazy on preparation crazy on preparation for sure um. So uh, I don't know if I have any other specific uh, positives to mention. I like the whole plan. Obviously, the big plan plan moment of the film is when they're going to kill like a, uh, a, a like a um, televangelist kind of guy who makes money off of religious people and stuff like that. And they plan like this whole thing, and then find out it's not going to work, and then they have to improvise. Then it turns to shit, and they start shooting everybody yeah. and stuff like that. And then and then from there, that's oh, then the big reveal is when. Uh, Statham finds out that uh, Sutherland's character uh, did not, in fact, uh, sell sell out the, the company that was hiring them to kill people. It was all a trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, apparently he was, he was, they thought he was getting to know too much, and they just were getting issues. They wanted him out of there, so they tricked Statham to killing him. That just that that also got me. I, I I'm not surprised when it got to that point, but I was also like, oh, and then it's like, oh man, you just you pissed off the wrong fucking guy. Yeah, because <laughs> now Statham's gonna kill you, <laughs> and they do. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I don't know why they thought that was a good idea. Yeah, no shit. It's like, yeah, you can't fucking you can't fuck with Jason Statham. He's clearly gonna murder your. Have ass. you guys not seen Jason Statham movies in your universe? This film would have been better if it had Chet Chelios. Oh my god, Chet Chelios! Every film would be better if it had Chet Chelios. Yeah. Uh, can he be on the Justice League? <laughs> 
It's like, here's Batman, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Chef Chelios. <laughs> Wait, who's that last one? Wonder Woman? No, no, after that. Crank 3, um, he becomes Metallo. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ, I would watch the fuck out of that. He's got kryptonite in his heart. Actually, if I was going to say, if they were going to cast somebody to play Metallo, I'd be all for Statham. Yes, I agree. Because Statham can play that. Yes, I agree. Super well. Uh, but we've been gushing over pauses. Is there any uh, specific negatives you want to talk about? Um, not really, honestly. I mean, I liked a lot of the uh, moments in the film. I think uh, the only kind of scene that does nothing is uh, Steve fucking. Yeah, I guess the little subplot where Statham is like a, I don't know if it's a call girl or what exactly the relationship he has with this woman. But at the beginning of the film, it's like, boom, here's titties, here's ass, here's him fucking somebody. There's this or that. It's like, and it's like he loses money and leaves. Like, oh, it's just, I guess this is a relationship, kind of a quote unquote like relationship he has with this uh, this woman. Is it a actual relationship, kind of, or is she just straight up a call girl? I wasn't quite sure where they're going mm-hmm. with it. Well, at least she comes back and then he gives her the dog. Um, yes. But I meant specifically yeah. Steve also running into like a call girl to the side, and then him fucking, and then that nothing comes of that, you know? Yeah, I was kind of because at yeah, least the, at like least the call girl in the scene, opening yeah. came back uh, later. Yeah. As like a little bookend, but yeah. Steve scene had it was just like, hey, good for you. I'm happy for you. It just felt like yeah, it had bang this lady outside on the on the alley. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I guess I got probably my only minor thing, and obviously we get some, I get some CG blood shots. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I will say one negative is that uh, there's a chunk of these blood shots that are literally just from the exact same like action essentials uh, set that I myself use for my films. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't that bad, but it does take me out a little bit to see, like, the same quality in this big, bigger film that I use for, like, my $15,000 movies. Yeah, what gets me is, like, the film is rated R. I mean, I just don't... It's, it also feels like these people are getting shot in the head, but, man, it's the cleanest fucking yeah. <laughs> shots. I mean, there's, like, no blood anywhere. Just like Yeah, either, like, either I don't mind couple... CG blood if you then put real blood on the wall behind them. Like, if you don't want to set up a squib on someone's face, that's fine, but there should still be blood everywhere else. Yeah. Even if you're just CG, putting CG blood on the wall behind them, and there's none of that in this. It was very clean. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, that's my, my only nitpick. You get a lot of modern action-slash-horror films, is that sometimes they just rely too much on um, CG squibs and CG blood mm-hmm. splatters. And I was like, nah, man, get some fucking, I mean, I don't know, do something. Just dump blood everywhere. I don't care if you're going to use CG squib. Just do some blood something. Do some gunk everywhere. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Because, man, I'm going to appreciate your film ten times more if you do it. So, but I think that's about it. That's all about all we probably have to say on the mechanic. Unless there's any, like, uh, little parting thoughts you have about it. Yeah. Um, I would say it's, it's just a good film. I thought it was fun, interesting, and although it was some similar reused ideas it did everything in a uh, unique enough different way that it kept my attention the whole time totally agree totally agree so uh, star ratings uh i give it a four i i give this a four and a half i actually really enjoyed this film right on cool well there we go guys uh that's two more statham films down bam and we continue on next time whenever we get around to more statham films ah so now we watch this film in August when this um, mechanic colon resurrection comes out. We can find out where more the more adventures of uh, Arthur Bishop. Mm-hmm. Some of that. 
But if you have any opinions about Jason Statham, if you know of some cool ways to murder some guys, like make, making yourself look like a wristwatch in the bottom of this very dark pool, uh, just let us know. MovieFilmsAbilityVLGmail.com. You can also find us on our uh, Facebook and our Tumblr. Um, MovieFilmsAbilityVLGmail.com and on Facebook, just let MovieFilmsAbilityVLGmail.com. Same with iTunes. Subscribe, give five stars, and leave your favorite method of killing Colombian drug lords. And, of course, you can find me on uh, Twitter at LovableBill. And, of course, you can check out my stuff, uh, www.silverspotlightfilms.com and facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms. You can contact me directly, darkmullet at gmail.com. Uh, you can tell me how handsome I am or how stupid I am. Your choice. You hack. Fucking hack. Hack filmmaker. I put that in a movie, which means it is canon in my universe that Stevenzinski is a fucking hack. There you go, guys. Well, as always, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Something is rotten in the state of Denmark, and Hamlet is taking out the trash.